Uh, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter number 17. Uh, if you don't know where the book of Acts is, uh, you can look inside your table of contents and you will find um, uh, all the different books of the Bible listed there. And so you'll have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, and if you look in your New Testament section right there, uh, you can actually find, and it says it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. So turn to the book of Acts, uh, chapter number 17. Um, and the reason why you're seated, because we're not going to open up with the scripture at first, but go, go back to my title slide. So here's the title of the message, Idolatry. Idolatry. I mean, I could do it in a lot of different ways and try to, try to kind of um, put it in a place. He is not happy, he or she. Not happy at all. Not happy at all. Um, uh, but we, we could, I could, I could dress up that title and all that kind of stuff. But I really wanted to keep it plain and simple because it, it needs to be direct in what we're talking about today. I, I, I don't want to in any way, shape, or form be unclear what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about idolatry. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with. Because sometimes we come into church and we come in with this attitude of, um, um, maybe there's a, a, an attitude of why we're here, like it's Sunday morning, I have nothing better to do, so I'll be here, or we come with the attitude, I, I've got to serve today, so I'll do that, and I'll be in the service, um, there's a multiple reasons why we may be here today, sometimes even we'll, we'll hear like what's the message, or what's the title, and we'll already make our decision in our mind, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I, that. That's something I don't. I don't deal with or have an issue. And we'll kind of check out. We kind of have this mentality. That's not for me. That's for the other guy. And so here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. And this is this is not even. You don't even have this in the notes. This is something as as we were singing and all this kind of stuff. Psalm 139, verse 23. And you just have to take my word for it. If you want to find it real quick, you can. If not, maybe look at it in your Bible. Whatever you want to do. But we're going to look at two verses and then we're going to pray. Psalm 139, verse 23, this is a good, these are actually two verses, good verses to memorize. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So here's what I want the, 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 the posture to be of all of our hearts. God, search me. Search me. Know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And here's the deal. Here's what's cool about this verse. We want, we want, and here's what's going to happen. If we do that, God will lead us in the way everlasting. Can we all do that? Say amen. Okay, here we go. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the wonderful, wonderful opportunity it is to come into your house. Lord, what a wonderful opportunity it is to hear your word. Lord, what a wonderful opportunity it is not just to hear your word, but to apply our, your word to our lives. And Lord, I know this is a subject, Lord God, where many of us would say, I don't have a problem with that. But if we're being honest, every single one of us probably have idols in our lives. They may not look like little statues that we pray to every single day, but they have become idols. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would search us. You would know our hearts and know our thoughts. If there be any wicked way in us, Lord God, that you lead us in the way everlasting. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. 
Amen. So here's what we're going to start with. We're just going to kind of walk through. We are in uh, 17. Uh, we're going to walk through these verses, kind of talk about it, um, and, and explain what's going on. Then we're going to really dive into the subject of idolatry. Okay? And so if you're, uh, so Acts 17, uh, verse uh, number 16. So Acts 17, verse 16. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, if you weren't there, that's okay. We'll put it on the screen. All right, so a couple, now, now Paul is on a second missionary journey, and so he's been through different places. Last week he was in Berea, last week, <laughs> not necessarily, okay, there may be some more time, but last week we, were, he, we followed him when he was in Berea. The week before that, he was in Thessalonica. And so now we have, okay, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, so now he's at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the, the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, with the devout persons, and the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others some, who see, he seemeth to be set forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Okay, so, so here he is, he's, he's in Athens, and, he's, and he's, he's proclaiming Jesus wherever he goes, and so there's different philosophers. Now, think about this from your studies in school. You have, you have different philosophers and all this kind of stuff. That, that Athens, Greece was this kind of this hub of, of intellectual thought, all that kind of stuff. And so here's one philosophy or another, and they're kind of looking at this as just another philosophy. And they took them, verse 19, they took them and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine wherefore thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ear, we would know, therefore, what these things mean. Okay, so we've never heard these things, so explain it to us. Verse 21. For all the Athenians and strangers were, were there, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Again, going back to what we're talking about. All they're thinking about, they're always thinking about these, this, this new way of thinking, these new thoughts, these new philosophies. That's what they consume themselves with, is all these different things. Verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that you in all things, you are too superstitious. Okay, another way to look at that is, is, is in a way that you're too religious. That basically that, that it's all about these different gods that you're serving. And so in order to, like we got to make sure we ha- keep all these different gods happy because they all influence our lives and all this kind of stuff. Verse 23, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So what happens is there's, there's different altars set up, and there's an altar for this God, and there's an altar for that God, and there's an altar for this God. And so this God you go to for this, and this God you go to for that, and this God you go to for this, and all these different gods that are on here, all these different things. And so there's, there, there's, in case they missed one, there's a God that doesn't fit in one of these categories. We're going to make a God or an altar to the unknown God. Okay? Here, here's, what, here's what verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not... Oh, so, hold on, take, let me go back. Verse 23. To the unknown God, whom therefore do you ignorantly worship... Him declare I unto you. So Paul is saying you have all these different gods 
that you've been worshiping and, 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 and bringing gifts to and all these kind of things. But then there's this unknown God, and here's what Paul's saying. I'm going to talk about that unknown God. That one that you, you, you're like, I, I, there's this one that we should worship, but we don't know who he is and all this kind of stuff. Whatever, he's talking about that. Now, verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything. Okay, again, each God would require something different, okay? But God doesn't need anything. Say amen. The one true God, all right? Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Like, God doesn't need anything because he's the giver of all things. Okay, he doesn't, he, he doesn't need, <laughs> he, like, do, are we able to give back to God in some ways? Yes, but he doesn't need it because he's the one who's able to give it. Say amen. All right, let's keep on going. This is so much fun. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined in the times, bef times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Okay? How many of you are glad that God's not far from us? Okay? He's, he's right at hand. That's a totally different message, okay? He's at hand. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Okay? So he is, he is, he is creator. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead, okay, the Godhead being, being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art or man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. Now let me explain that. I've got to define that a little bit because you're all like God's up there winking. You know, what, is it, what does that mean? Here's what he's basically saying. Like, look. God tolerated that for a season. God tolerated that. But now commandeth all men everywhere to what? Repent. Repent. Now, we're, we're, that, now, now we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But when, you, when, when we're all faced with the reality hopefully by the end of this message, that every single one of us in some way, shape, or form are worshiping idols, the only response is repentance. That's the only response. Okay? Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, okay, by that man whom he hath adorned, that man being Jesus, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men that they raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others says, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. And it, see, it even says here at verse 34, Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believe, among which are Dionysius and Areopagite, the Areopagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. Now, idolatry, idolatry. Uh, so the people at Athens were, 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 were given wholly to idolatry, okay? They had, they had all these different idols, 
And so they, they, they would, these different things that they would worship, okay? But, but to this unknown God, which Paul is saying, look, it's not an unknown God, it's a known God. It's the one true, holy, living God. And that is, and the only way you, from the standpoint of, of coming into relationship with that God is through Jesus Christ. Say amen. All right, now let's talk a little bit more about idolatry. Talk a little bit more about idolatry. Um, Exodus 20. Exodus 20. All right, now we're going to go all the way back to the, the Ten Commandments. Okay, Ten Commandments. Some of y'all may not know all the Ten Commandments. Maybe some of y'all don't even know what the Ten Commandments are. And so, um, so here we go. The, the, the people are delivered out of Egypt, and they go into the wilderness. And while they're in the wilderness, um, uh, God says, hey, here's how, how, uh, how the nation of Israel should act. Here are the things that I'm commanding them to do. These are the laws that they need to follow. Okay, And so these are the Ten Commandments. Now, now we're going to go through all of them, uh, but, but, we need, but we're going to look at each in, in some particular ones. But first, let's go through all of them, okay? And God spake all these words, saying, first, okay? Oh, here, no, hold on a second. I'm the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse 3. Here we go. First commandment. Thou shalt have what? No other gods before me. First commandment. Have no other gods before me. Okay? He, he says, I'm the Lord thy God, and so have no other gods before me. So, so in order of everything else in our life, where does God sit? First, at the very top. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that in the earth beneath, or that in the water under the earth. Keep going. Thou shalt not bow thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Okay, so, so now this is talking, not only is no, no other gods before me, but even from the standpoint of we don't need to create idols. Okay, keep going, verse 6. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So when, when, if, you, if you use God's name as a cuss word, okay, that's, that's the third commandment you are, you are um, uh, violating, okay? All right, so there you go. So notice in the first three that we've talked about, he's talking about, hey, I'm God, there's no body before me. Don't make any kind of graven image, anything to worship because I'm number one. And then don't talk bad about me because how great and holy and wonderful I am. Okay, keep on going. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is the fourth one. Okay, keep going. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and that thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate. So according to, according to the Ten Commandments, we work six days, and on the seventh day we do what? Rest. Okay. Now, now, I understand we live in a different society, all that kind of stuff, but if you're working seven days a week right now, you're actually violating God's commandment. Because he said, you work six days, and then you rest on the seventh. Here we go. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea. And all, I love this. This is great. <laughs> For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. 
Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Here's what this verse is talking about. God himself didn't work. (laughs) Seven days a week. He took a day off. And he made all these things in six days. Love it. Love it. Here we go. Verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. Young people. Teenagers. Us older people. We still have mothers and fathers, right? Honor thy father and mother. Thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This is the only commandment with a promise, by the way. You want to live a long life? Honor your father and mother. Some, some of my kids need to understand, like, like, the reason why they say that is because you, the father and mother may kill their child. <laughs> you know? <laughs> your days will be longer if you've honored me, because if you don't, I may, I, may, I may end your life early. Okay, here we go, verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. I was good up to that one, right? Okay? Man, the first, first five I was good, and then I said that. That was not planned, by the way. I'm not, that, I'm not that slick. Okay, here we go, verse 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery, verse 15. Thou shalt not steal, verse 16. Thou shalt not bear fair, fa- false witness against thy neighbor, so basically don't lie about him. And verse 17, last one, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Now, we went through all the Ten Commandments. Here's, a, here's, a, here's, our, here's I think, a problem we have in society. We want to pick and choose what commandments we want to follow. Everybody's like, well, I'm not going to kill I, I, I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, maybe I won't lie. That's, if you just said that, you just lied, okay? All right. Now, this last one, let's be honest, this is probably one of the ones that, that we probably struggle with the most because we look at what everybody else has. Well, why don't I have the nice car? Why don't I have the nice house? When, when am I going to get those things? Like, we're coveting those things. But, but so we, we, we do really well, somewhat really well, from 6 through 10. But we forget about that the very beginning, the first one is, have no other gods before me. Make no graven images. Don't take the Lord God's name in vain. Like, we, 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 for, we want to ignore those three, and then we're like, okay, I'll, I'll, be, I'll do good with the other seven. But if I was making a list, and I was God, okay, I'm not saying that, okay? If I was making a list, and I was God, if I listed something first, what would that mean? Probably really important. Probably really important. Because, you know, all of these things, all of these things really hinge on the first one. Because here's what happens. Whenever we break one of the other commandments, here's what we're saying. I'm God, not him. I know it's getting a little tight here. All right. Now. There's a, there's a song, there's a song, I love music, I really love music, and there's a song that is by Jimmy Needham, it's called Clear the Stage, and I want to read the verses to the song, and then, and then we're going to talk about some idols that are in our lives. It says, clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze, if that's the measure you must take to crush the idols, jerk the pews and all the decorations too, until the congregation's few then have revival. Tell your friends this is where the party ends. Until you're broken for your sins, you can't be social. 
Then seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store and know that great is your reward. So just be hopeful. Because you can sing all you want to. Yes, you can sing all you want to. You can sing all you want to and still get it wrong. A worship is more than a song. Take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper. Beg him, please, to open up his mouth and speak and pray for real upon your knees until they blister. Shine the light on every corner of your life until the pride and lust and lies are in the open. Then read the word and put to test the things that you have heard until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken. Because you can sing all you want to. Yes, you can sing all you want to. You can sing all you want to and still get it wrong. A worship is more than a song. This is important. We must not worship something that's not even worth it. Clear the stage. Make some space for the one who deserves it. Listen to this. Anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all my heart is an idol. And anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. And anything that I can give all my love is an idol. Because I can sing all I want to. Yes, I can sing all I want to. I can sing all I want to and still get it wrong. Worship is more than a song. Now, some of y'all are already, already like checking out a little bit because you're like, okay, anything I want before God is an idol, but then you're like, anything I want with all my heart, anything that I can't stop thinking of, anything I give all my love to. Here's the thing that we need to understand in both those, the all my heart and all my love. Anything that gets all instead of God getting it all, guess what it is? It's an idol. It's an idol. Now, some of you are like, Buchanan, I don't, I don't, I don't have an idol. What are you talking about? Let's, let's look at some idols that we have in our life. Because think about it. The, the, i got to go back. i got to go back. i got to go back because it's a great definition of it. Anything you put before God, anything I want with all my heart, anything I can't stop thinking of, and anything I give all my love to, it can, maybe this is a better phrase, can be an idol. Okay, Because I'm going to talk about some of these things, and some of these things you're going to say, well, that's not me, Buchanan. But let's talk about some idols in our lives, okay? First of all, stuff can become an idol. I don't think, maybe I'm wrong about this, I don't think there's anybody who has a little statue at home that they're praying to. If you are doing that, come see me in my office this week. We'll talk a little bit more. But we can, we can, we can make our stuff, like, like the, the, the things that we have can become an idol, like, look at what this, I have this, and I have this, and I have that, and all that kind of stuff. And or, from the standpoint of even the stuff we don't have, that we fantasize about, and we focus all our attention on, like, man, one day I hope I have that. Entertainment can come, become an idol. One of the most popular singing competitions over the past 10 or 15 years is called American what? Idol. And so what we do is we look at, look at people that are famous. We look at, the, we look at I'm going to help my teenagers, anybody, okay? We look at athletes. We look at movie stars. 
and we look and we say, man, if one day I could be like that athlete or that movie star or that person in any way, shape, or form, we look at all these people and we idolize them. But here's the deal. Your goal should not be to become like that famous athlete or that, or that movie actress. Your goal is to become like Jesus, amen. Okay? Keep on going. It gets harder. Sports teams. Uh-oh. If you're an Alabama fan, say Roll Tide. If you're an Auburn fan, say War Eagle. Okay, if you don't care, say who cares. There we go. All right, <laughs> I knew there's some. But our sports teams, they can become idols in our life. Here, here's, here, this is, and I'm not trying to say this in a bad way, but we'll rearrange our whole entire schedule on a Saturday so that we don't miss the ball game and then we get up late for church or we miss it. Like, and I'm not trying to be ugly about this. I'm just calling like it is, right? Like, some of y'all, it's, it is, it is I, uh, what, I say, what you doing Saturday? Well, when's the ball game? Oh, it's at 6. Yeah, I can do something in the morning. Yeah, like, you, you can tell me every single national championship, the year they won it, who was is, who is the, who is the uh, quarterback, the running back, who was the offensive lineman, third string down. You can tell me all that stuff, right? But yet you can't, can't quote five Bible verses off the top of your head. Could it be that, that what has happened is that Alabama football or Auburn football or a professional sports team, whatever, has become more important to you than God? If that's the case, what does it become a what? An idol. Again, just, just open your heart a little bit. A job. Our careers. Okay? We, we get in this place to where, where, where we, 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 we look and say, okay, here's where I am right now, and, and here's where I want to be five years from now, and ten years from now, and on and on and on and on and on. And it's about either, I know, I know from the standpoint, not everybody's in this way, either that mindset of climbing the corporate ladder, or just from the standpoint of everything I do is who I am is based on the career. Your identity is not based on what you do. Your identity is based in Christ. Okay, but so we put our careers in this place, and, and what we'll do is we'll make decisions like like I gotta work. Okay, because because this is really important over here, but we can work ourselves to death and miss God completely. Going back to this whole thing about the Sabbath deal, like you know you know one of the reasons why I think we, from the standpoint we gotta work six days and take a break so that we can reflect on who God is. And say, okay, in the fact of our rest, maybe we need to rest in the Lord, not just take a day off. Church can become an idol. Church can become an idol. Again, anything I put before God is an idol. Let me, let, let, I'm going to be the most, most transparent as I can be right now. Sometimes, sometimes, church is more important to me than God. And I can't believe I'm even saying that out loud. But I get so caught up in what is, what's the church doing, this and that and all this kind of stuff, that it's like we have VBS and we got to do this and we got to do that and all this kind of stuff. And I look over here and I'm all about what, what's happening great in the church. And God's like, well, what about me? I'm the one doing these great things in the church, but you're focused on what the church is doing, not so much what I am doing. So church can become an idol. Y'all ready for this one? Your bank account can become an idol. Now this is now I'm going to say something in just a minute, and 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 y'all are going to think Buchanan, you're just finding another way to say it, whatever like that. But but we 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 live and die by the Almighty Dollar. 
And here's the thing. Everybody I've ever asked, if I, if, I, if I ask them, what is the one thing about your money that you wish you could change? And here's what they say, I wish I had more of it. Right? Now, the, I, I'm going I'm to say this. I'm not going to Here's the thing. The reason why uh, the, 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 there's a lot of churches that, that are struggling is because the pastors are doing this. I'll talk about this subject and this subject and this subject, but I'm going to leave this subject alone. And everybody's like, everybody's great and wonderful about the pastor until you start talking about our money. According to God's word, you know who gets the first of your money? God does. The first fruits of all our increase. And this is not a tithing message. This, this is from the standpoint of understanding, hey, look, like that, and we, we need to get to the point of if, if we're like, you know what, I, I, but, but Buchanan, I want to do this and I want to do that and all this kind of stuff. But why is God not getting our first? Why is not getting, getting our first? If he's not, then we need to be acknowledged that maybe my bank account and my money has become an idol in my life. I probably just need to keep this out so I don't keep on pu- pulling it out. Our physical appearance. Our physical appearance. Now some of you are like, I added this one early this morning, and I don't know why I added it, but particularly because, but it's just like, uh, how much do we get caught up in the fact of, of what we look like? Either, either, either how pretty we think we are, and gorgeous we are, or the fact that we don't feel like we're pretty or gorgeous. And so we get caught up in this whole thing of what my physical appearance is about. I worry about what I look like, what people look, all this kind of stuff. Our physical can, appearance can become an idol. Like we, we I do, I do wor- worry about sometimes this whole selfie generation we're in. Are we taking selfies because, because it's more about me taking a picture of myself so that someone can comment to affirm me and to make me feel better, and it's about my physical appearance that gives me identity and not Christ? Now, this kind of goes bleeds into the other one, acceptance from others. Has acceptance from others become your idol? I'm almost, I'm this close to ditching Facebook, really close to ditching Facebook. I'm going to try to stay with Instagram. It has a comment section. I mean, we may need to disable the comments or whatever, but I'm about to, like, vomit right now looking at Facebook stuff. Because here's what happens. Somebody will say something, and they'll stand on something, and then someone will comment against them, and here's what they'll do. They'll back off from it because I don't want to make anybody mad or anybody upset, Right? And, and, you, and you look at this, and Facebook has become a thing where people make comments to one another, and so no one stands for anything. And so we, so we say these things, and we say that. And by the way, I don't know if Facebook is a great place to make a stand. Like, whatever. So, <laughs> I mean, you can, but if you're going to make a stand on Facebook, make a stand, like, out in public too. Right? Never mind. So, but, but, but we, we say something, and then as soon as we get any kind of criticism, we start to, to pull back our words and all this kind of stuff. Why? Because we want to be accepted by people. One of the hardest things as a pastor is I've got to fight against pleasing other people. And what happens is I'm more worried about pleasing somebody else than doing what God has told me to do. Let me help you with this. If, if I get to a point to where I'm not doing what God tells me to do and I'm doing it for the pl- pleasure of other people, here's what's happened. That's become an idol. That's become an idol. And so our, our level of acceptance, because here's the deal, we all want to be accepted. I get that. That's important. I love that. But from the standpoint of, of this whole deal of rep, your whole identity is, 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 is wrapped up in what somebody else thinks about me, here's what I want to help you with. What people think about you is irrelevant. What matters is what God thinks of you. 
And here's the deal. Here's the deal. God loves you. God loves you. So, so who cares if, and, and I know this is hard, pre, this is easy preaching, hard living. Who cares what your friend thinks about you or what your family thinks about you? Why don't you just do this? Why don't you just say, you know what? God is pleased with me and that's all that matters. Not what everybody else thinks. But our, our, our level of acceptance from others can become our idol. Even, even things like, and I, I don't want to put this on here, but like social media and stuff like that, if you tell me I don't, have time to sp- I don't have any time to spend with God, but yet you're on social media for seven or eight hours a day, don't tell me that anymore. Because <laughs> what you've done is you've like, this is your become your idol. This is like everybody else's life has become my idol, not God. All right, here's where it gets a little tight. Your spouse can become your idol. Your spouse can become your idol. This is what's sad. This is what's sad. God will be leading you in a particular direction to be obedient into something else or to do something else and whatever, and your spouse will say no. And here's what you do. You do what your spouse says instead of what God tells you to do. If, you, if, God, if God is leading you in a particular direction and your spouse says no, is God wrong or is your spouse wrong? Your spouse is wrong. But we can't, we've, and I think it's really bad from the standpoint of is, is we, it has become this whole thing some, in, some, in some marriages, not all marriages, to where it's like I'm going to check with God and check with my spouse, and as long as God and my spouse agree, then I'll do it. If God tells you to do something your spouse disagree, your spouse is wrong. Last thing, last idol. This is the one I've been holding back, and, I, and it's hard to say it, but your children can become an idol. Your children can become an idol. Now, there's a lot of different ways we can look at this. But, but, but we, and, and, I, and I think, and I've even done it, and I think each generation has tried to do something more for their children, every single generation. But here's what we did, is we taught all of, their, all of our kids, here's what we've taught them. It's all about you. It's all about you. You want to you, you play sports? That's fine. We'll turn our whole entire world upside down so that you can play sports. You, 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 you want to you, you wanna, you know, do this or do that? Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll compromise. Every other standard we've ever done, we'll let you do that. You know, if, 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 if you don't want to go to church today, that's okay. Because it's all about what you want to do, not so much what God is telling us to do. Getting a little tight in here, I know. But, and, and we worship before the feet of our children. And then, and then we wonder why they don't want to worship a holy God. Because what we've done is we've said, we've told every single one of them, it's not about God, it's all about you. Whatever you want. And, and here, going on this whole thing. Now, and I'm, am, I, am I saying, you know, every single person, every single person that follows a sports team or has children or a spouse, or whatever, they all have, that these are all idols? No, but they, what I'm saying is they can become that way. Say amen. They can all become that way. And we've got to check up a little bit. And here's, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, search me, oh God. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Know my, know my heart, know my thoughts. Lead me in the way everlasting. I know I butchered that verse, but here we go. There's a verse. This is where we'll end. Well, 
Here's a test. Here's a test for your own heart. Here's how you know if it's an idol or not. Could you live without it? Think about that. Could you live without it? Now, it's really easy, like, oh, again, I could live without entertainment or stuff. Some of y'all are going to struggle with the whole, could you live without Alabama football or Auburn football? Could you live without your career? Could you live without your bank account? Job's a great example. Everything was taken from Joseph, including his children. Could you live without him? Because if you say, and I know, I know it's hard to say this, it's hard to say this, but Buchanan, I, I, here, here's, here's, here's what we, our response should be. It's okay for the response to be, boy, it would be hard. Because I think we'd all agree it would be hard. But to say, God, I couldn't, I couldn't live without these things, I think we need to check up our heart and say, you know what? Maybe it's become an idol. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 2. And this is such a, this is like totally not on the radar. No, totally not on the radar. But when, as, I was, as I was researching things and looking at things and all this kind of stuff, this verse popped up. And I was like, How, what does this have to do with idols? Like, what does this have to do with idols? But this is, man, this is so good. This is so good. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Now, there's a difference between a fountain and a cistern, okay? A fountain is, is something that, that, that just flows, okay? It just flows. Another way of maybe look at this fountain of living water would be like a spring, right? A spring uh, is always flowing, right? A cistern is a, is a reservoir. Hewn means to cut or make. All right, so a, a, man-made, a man-made reservoir, a, 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 a thing to hold water. Now, now what, what has happened, what has happened in this situation is they have the, the spring, the fountain of living water that they've forsaken, and what they've done is they've, they've made these reservoirs for the water, but what's the problem with the waters? They're what? Broken and can hold what? No water. No water. Follow me here. 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 Okay? God. Idols. Okay? There is not, there's in no way, shape, or form do these ever cross over. Okay? God. Idols. God. Fountain of living water. Wellspring, springing up, continuous flow, idols, cisterns, broken, that can hold no water. Here's another way to look at this. Always full, and eventually what? Empty. Empty. And here's what's happened in our society. We keep filling up the cistern. Keep filling it up. 
and keep filling it up and keep filling it up because there, this is where the water comes from. We just have to keep filling it up and keep filling it up. And what we don't realize is there's a hole in the bottom. But yet over here, but yet over here, if it's all about God, if we focus completely on Him, if, if we look and say it's God above all, He is a fountain of living waters. He will bring satisfaction. He will bring joy. He will fill you up. When you get dry, there's more water there. He's the thing that sustains us. He's the thing that fulfills us. He's the one that brings us satisfaction. He's the only thing that really, when it all comes down to it all, the only person that matters is who? God. God. And so if He's the only thing that matters... Really, in reality, none of this matters. Step by step.